We're about to kick off an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio, brought to you by the fine folks over at, where else? Geekinthecity.com. If you enjoy this show, and I think you do, the best way to help us out is just spread the word. Uh, tell everybody that you enjoy listening to Geek in the City Radio on whatever social media platform you use, as well as giving us a five-star review on sites like iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeartRadio. Those reviews go much farther than you would ever imagine in helping us climb the metrics, which uh, just gets us more listeners, which just makes us a bigger and more nerdier family for everyone to enjoy, which we're going to do right now with an all-new issue of Geek in the City Radio. Welcome to Geek in the City Radio, issue 602. I am your first and always will be first host, Bean Rita. I am your other other host, Cable Hoshtani. <laughs> and uh, as mentioned earlier, Aaron is um, out on assignment. On assignment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we will be bringing you entertainment uh, without him. Uh, what do we got planned for tonight? Um, technical difficulties. No, I don't know. Um, we were just going to talk about um, the two shows that we're both currently watching, which is Loki and uh, The Bad Batch, both of them on Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I don't know which one you wanted to start with. I do know that I wanted to get into a couple things in Loki that I feel might turn into longer conversations, but I could be wrong. We could definitely start there. So, um, other than that, how's your week been? Uh, I got a new job. Well, congratulations. Yeah. What, can, can you say what you're going to do? Yes, yes. So as as listeners already know, for the last couple of months, uh, ever since I had to quit the cult, uh, I've been part-time delivery driving for Reverend Nats, friend of the mm-hmm. show. And um, there, be, there came an opening up for a new sales rep team. It took a little while because first they had to hire and onboard their director. And then there was, of course, like a whole interviewing process. But I got the job offer late last week mm-hmm. and accepted and i'll be starting next monday maybe tuesday because i have pottery class um yeah yeah i'm i'm super excited a i get to stay uh i get to stay with reverend nats because that's been a really good experience overall and uh it's full-time work which is a little bit terrifying after you know a year and a half basically at this point um but I've already really learned a lot about what the job entails and what it'll be like on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I think, I think I'm probably going to kick ass. So that's, that's the important part. That's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. 
if I have to, if I have to rejoin the capitalist society, I don't know of too many other places that I'd rather be. So. Yeah, it's being a forced um, participant in capitalism is easier to take if you are given any amount of agency in that. Uh, if you feel like whether or not this is actually true and actually does things for you is one thing. But if you feel that and think that you are being heard, that um, you were allowed to make decisions in, in your workplace that are for the betterment of yourself and your coworkers, um, then that's, that's a manageable capitalism, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I know I feel that at, uh, at Guardian and they're not just paying me to say that, like, you, you know me and they know me. And if I felt any other way, I would just say it. <laughs> so. Well, and that's the, that's the really exciting part is like someone asked me, or I was talking to someone who th- like sends me job off or job descriptions all the time that she thinks I'd be interested in. And I told her, I'm like, Oh, well, I actually just accepted a job. And she's like, I thought you weren't really interested. And I was like, well, I thought I wasn't, but then other opportunities fell through. And so I, I decided I should reconsider thinking about this opportunity and and I explained that like I've already known Nat for a number of years and I already work for him and he's an activist and there's just like a lot of qualities that are largely unknown when you're looking at a company to work for them mm-hmm. that like those boxes have checked were checked off before I even applied and that goes a really long way towards the desire to want to work somewhere there's always that question like well why would you like to work here you know, well, really, I don't care. I just have to have a job to live. Like, well, no, no, right. honest. I can honestly say that I do like Reverend Nat and working with and for him. So it was kind of, kind of an easy decision, I guess, in that in that sense. That's good. Yeah. How about you? How was your week? Um, I think it was mostly good. Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was mostly good. Um, I think we're just, we're still um, slowly rolling out new events. Like, uh, we're we're having an open play Warhammer night tomorrow night and next Wednesday. So that's the second event we've added to our calendar in, along with uh, the Friday Night Magic that's been going on since the end of May. So, and... Every time we add one more thing, we still get like phone calls to people going, mm, you're not going fast enough. Why don't we have more open play? To, to which I don't get to respond. Shut the fuck up. We're still in the middle of a pandemic. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> yes, I know games are important to you. They are not more important than people's lives. They just aren't. But for for every person that's um a little too over eager to get back into in-person play we have like 20 to 30 people who are like oh great as long as we know it's coming it's fine take your time we'd rather be safe than sorry so i'm really kind of overall pleased with the clientele that we've had at guardian um throughout the pandemic i know that it's been nightmarish for most other industries, especially anyone who works in a broad, broad, with a broader swath of the public, like grocery stores, 
or coffee mm-hmm. shops. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing is like, technically speaking, like games are not exactly a necessity. Like they're not, no one's going to become ill or, or go hungry from lack of games, but it's, but culturally it's an important thing to have. Mm-hmm. And, and everyone's been cooped up for so long. I think definitely there's like a little bit of like losing your mind and you, you want it to be an on off, an on off switch Mm-hmm. Uh, in a way you're like look i'm i'm vaccinated my friends are vaccinated just fucking go mm-hmm. and it i have to check myself and be like no this is fine like i still have to wear my mask everywhere i go and i still can't sit at a table with more than six people which means i obviously can't plan these big social outings it's that's just the way it's going to be for a bit longer mm-hmm. and, and and it definitely can't take that out on the people whose job it is to enforce that while also doing their regular job. Yes. Like, the onus has been put on small businesses and large businesses and the workers of those businesses to enforce things that no federal, state, or county government will step up and do. They will make very nebulous blankets. It's like, well, our recommendation is this. It's like, just say, stop it. Just tell us, stop doing this. Yes, we're going to put a target date of here. If all of you want to hit that, all of you have to do the thing. If 90% of you do it and 10% don't, that's still not all of you. You want to hit this date? All of you do it. All of you do it, period. I heard a report, uh, I think yesterday morning, that Washington State is having a lottery that soldiers, not just like veterans or reservists, active duty soldiers can can enter into this lottery for. What was it? it was, I think it was money, like just like a large sum of money, um, and you can you can enter to win if you get vaccinated. And that one is like a weird gray area for me because I you know I, I heard about the fact that the army was not requiring this vaccination, which is. So strange. Everything else has been required. I had to I had to get a smallpox vaccine. I had to get a flu vaccine every year. Like there's no choice given. Um Yes, because but- technically while you were enlisted, you were United States government property. Yeah. Yeah. And so a lot you of get soldiers who were interviewed about why they were declining the COVID vaccine was, well, they gave us the option and if I have a choice and I'm allowed to say no, I'm going to say no. It wasn't even necessarily always about their beliefs or fear or, or whatever about regarding COVID. It was like, well, they never tell me, you know, I can do it or not do it up to me. And so since it's up to me, I decided to say no. Literally because they never are allowed to make their own choice about something. They are just going to not do this. And I'm like, I, I just... I just don't understand how we've gotten to this point where that's literally enough for you. Like, well, I'm, I'm not, I'm allowed to say no. And that is enough reason to say no. So whatever, however many people are dying around me. But that's just, it is the, they, okay. I'm going to extrapolate from incomplete information and make some assumptions. 
the people that are doing and saying this don't have people dying around them. Probably not. They have. They are at least six Kevin Bacon's removed from anyone who's actually died. I'm sorry. I, mean to, <laughs> I like how that was delayed. It's like, yes, yes, six Kevin Bacon's. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's, it's, I was trying to not laugh because I was about to put liquid in my body and I just couldn't, I couldn't not. <laughs> I could not resist. But uh, the, like... I think that uh, the the other side of this, uh, where where people, I've, I'm sorry, I'm losing threads left and right on my thoughts today. Like I did all of my thinking at work, and now it's all done. Um, that's that thing that you were talking about, where you're doing your work on top of this other work mm-hmm. of enforcing the. It, it takes a lot out of you, especially when you do it five days a week. Um, like, it's, I don't want to say I easily see the other side because I don't. I like it's, it just doesn't make any sense. But when you are separated by so many people before you actually hear of a death and it's not anyone you know and it's, it's all, uh, abstract and until it's oh my god bob died from from this thing called covid or oh i've contracted covid it does not exist and the propaganda that has been put out that all of that is designed to like the conspiracy is that it's created by liberals liberal democrats and it's designed to be used to enforce fascism so that they can use this to start taking away people's freedoms. It's like, I, I get why you, if you don't have uh, counter voices telling you otherwise, it's easy to believe that. Um, because we feel like we're in a country where our government lies to us on a regular basis, regardless of which side of the political line you're on. And -hmm. the truth is, is both sides of the government have been lying to us for decades. Um, And it's not that we should believe them out of hand. We shouldn't take everything they do at face value. But when other experts are telling us, no, really, this is a disease that's killing people. Listen to them. (laughs) It's like politicians know jack and squat. Scientists know what they're talking about because they're they're the ones that go, hey, you know that thing we said? We were wrong. We actually meant this. That's what science is supposed to do. (laughs) Right. But also politicians have been whittling away, um, what's the word? The perceived validity of what scientists say Mm -hmm. for a couple decades as well. So... Oh yes, I've I've spent I've 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 read many an article or like listened to reports about like how how we how we got here and like how long it's actually taken, and it is depressing as hell. Mm-hmm. You know what's not depressing though? What? Uh, 
I was doing my delivery driving job this Sunday, mm-hmm. and I got to deliver to our friend Zach in the chat. Oh, nice. So, hi, Zach. And I got to see his lovely new home. And, oh, uh, that's right. He does yes, have a new home. Yes, yes. And, uh, and he also uh, granted me a copy of um, the book, uh, Anarchist Jurisdiction, mm. uh, uh, David Walker's uh, art book. Mm-hmm. With all the great, uh, all the great protest uh, propaganda flyers and stuff, the movie posters, which, which are very seventies um, uh, grindhouse feel mm-hmm. posters. Yeah, they, yeah they very, very uh, like black exploitation film vibes. Mm-hmm. Some really good uh, titles. Titles in there, though, I can't think of a better word. No, that's what they were. They're designed to be um, movie posters for set in the anarchist jurisdiction of Portland. So that's, that's a good uh, collection. And I, I definitely recommend it to people if it's still something you can buy. I know it was kickstarted, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming at this point it's available on shelves at maybe. your local, let your local comic book store, maybe possibly, or, or probably go to David Walker's website. I should have prepared for this, this plug that I just threw in here. <laughs> Yes, you should have prepared for the thing that you're doing uh, in extra, extemporaneously. Yeah. No. That's the right word, right? Extemporaneous. There's impromptu. There's extemporaneous. Yes. Was, okay. That is exactly, you are using that word exactly right. Hey, look what I remembered from high school speech and debate class. <laughs> uh, I I know a lot of words and their usage purely from the context under which I first read them mm-hmm. uh, and very rarely can actually give a proper definition to what a word means. I usually float by on my contextual understanding of a word until someone asks me to define it. And then I will literally go to dictionary.com and look it up <laughs> so I can go, Oh, it is what I thought it meant. It's exactly what I thought <laughs> it meant. Look at that. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad it's not just me because I thought that was just some sort of weird, you know, ESL kid type of thing. I don't think it's an ESL kid type of thing. I think it is a uh, an academic reader thing. Mm. Like if you read a lot as a kid and then liked to still like to learn things, that's definitely a, a throwback to that. I'll take it. All right. Are, you, are we ready to talk about some Loki now? I think so. Is everyone else ready to talk about Loki? They, uh, you can certainly chime in in the chat, folks. Uh, we are we are watching it. At least I am. I don't know about you. Oh, you're talking to me. You you're the listeners. You, you. <laughs> yes. But, but I did see you weigh in on on the chat, so of course you are. Durr. <laughs> um. Yeah, I clicked on the thing. So the last week's Loki, the, the second episode of Loki was um, kind of had the, the issue zero last week where we kind of set up the TVA and, and set up Loki and got all the players in the right place. And episode two actually jumped a lot further forward than I was expecting. Yeah, they they revealed something that I I know people were talking about on the Internet as like a hopeful situation, but mm-hmm. ooh, they just threw it right in there episode two right off the bat oh yeah and if you're only going to do six episodes it's like well yeah of course you're going to have to do it now 
because you, you don't have any other choice. Um, Loki goes on his first away mission with uh, the TVA team and fails miserably, and that leads to some more soul-searching and a revelation of sorts as he digs through data that he doesn't want to. He regroups with Mobius. Mobius believes his theory is sound. They go back again to try to test it, and turns out he's right. They discover the actual culprit behind the, the murders, and they realize far too late that they've already stepped into the, the middle of the implementation of the fiendish plot of <laughs> our, our Loki. We also discover who this Loki is and are left with more questions than answers by the end of the episode. That, that seemed like a reasonable recap. <laughs> that is, that is a nice uh, spoiler free recap. Yeah. Um, so from this point forward, we're going to be in spoiler territory if you haven't watched the episode already. Um, You've had the better part of a week, though, so I hope you mm-hmm. did. I th- thought that, like, I, I again will go back to, I think that Owen Wilson is the only person they could have hired for this role because he and Tom Hiddleston are fantastic together. I love their on-screen chemistry. I like their... It's funny to watch Loki kind of play the straight man for a change. <laughs> yes, I, I he he is taking himself so Loki the character is taking mm-hmm. himself so seriously and and Mobius is not smug and it's and I wouldn't even say sarcastic but like kindly condescending. Mhm. I think is like the best way I can I can think to put that. Yeah, he has Loki's number and has the entire time. Yeah, yeah. and he, he's yeah, he's just not impressed. He's he also is sort of underestimating him. I think like he, Loki really really had to push to explain his theory and 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 prove that he was correct about it mm-hmm. before before Mobius would really like go anywhere with him on it. Um, and uh, I definitely, in Loki's theory about where the um, the evil Loki is hiding, um, that definitely had some Doctor Who vibes to it. It's like that's that's some Doctor Who logic. It works. <laughs> I get it. I like it. But that is some Doctor Who logic right there. It, um, it really is. But I think. I think that's maybe why it works. Like that's a precedent that has like done been set, you know, mm-hmm. like, 50, like 10 years ago. So we're good. We're in the clear. Yep. Um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm fascinated that the show sticks is definitely trying to be a smart, a show of smart writing and clever writing. And it's certainly hitting that, that peak. Um, at no point do I feel like they're, talking down to the audience like Mobius talks down to Loki they don't talk down to the audience they're they're like we're going to discuss concepts of time travel keep up but you <laughs> are good job come here cat no okay um to sit just out of reach <laughs> I I really enjoy um Ms. Minutes mm-hmm. it's it, like it doesn't 
they could have gone any direction with that and and did it in any format and any character archetype. Mm-hmm. They could have made it like really bland and that ha- would have had its own form of amusement to it. But there's just something so precious about this like, you know, Southern draw little little cartoon character that pops out of the computer uh, and and continues to be part of the the training experience for Loki. Because mm-hmm. I mean, when you come up with a character that charming and and just kind of silly and fun, it's it's nice to be able to kind of keep that going. You also don't hire one of the most recognized voices in voice acting if it's just a throwaway gag. Uh, very recognizable, and yet I do not know uh, what her name is or what else. I, ca- I can't name anything that she that I know her from. Uh, Tara Strong, and you know her from everything. Okay. She's Bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls. She's Harley Quinn. She's um, various superheroes in both DC and Marvel universes and villains in both. Um, she's been on everything. Everything. For two decades. She is one of the most prolific voice actors. So I would only know her by voice, not necessarily by face. You might. She looks like she's a cartoon character. But oh, she's she about five that. foot one. Well, she did the Fairly Odd Parents. Mm-hmm. That that is a show that like really holds up to uh, an older audience. We're on together. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, yeah. She's been in everything. She's been in everything. It's like I, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like I, I, I can't list all of her credits because they're too long. No, no, she's got like 70. Yeah. Well, at any rate, she's I'm I did not expect that character to continue to have a presence after that first after that one scene in the first episode and I was pleasantly surprised to be wrong. Mhm. I I love the question of are, are you real or are you like an AI? It's like it, are these programmed responses? Or are you responding to me directly? She's like, little column A, little column B. <laughs> it's like, that's more disturbing. <laughs> it's like, you you should be a cartoon character, but you're self-aware. Weird. Like, like full-on sentient AI, but also you're a two-dimensional cartoon. Mm-hmm. That comes out of the computer and continues to be a two two dimensional cartoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norm Norm in the chat is saying that like as a southerner, he commends uh, Tara Strong's southern accent. Mm-hmm. That's that's high praise. Probably one of the best scenes in the whole episode is uh, like, can we just all watch Tom Hiddleston destroy Owen Wilson's salad? Just just always. <laughs> He's just saying that. What you? No, don't do that. Why? What's? Oh no! But now you've just been. Oh, but. Yeah. And then he steals frantically shaking the salt and pepper. And then he then he steals uh, Eugene Cordero's soda. He's like, "Hey, I was. Oh, it's you again." (laughs) I hope he continues to to recur. I do too. Um. Like he, Rutherford is definitely one of my favorite characters on Lower Decks. 
And and so like I'm excited to see Eugene Cordero every time he shows up on screen now. It's like, ooh, it's Rutherford. Yay. Damn it, Zach. He says destroying Owen Wilson's salad is a euphemism, isn't it? Oh, of course it is. <laughs> oh no. Also, no, never mind. I was going to get into like, well, depending on how much of that was salt and how much of that was pepper, it might have actually been improving the salad, but I'm, just, I'm not going to get into it right now. Unnecessary. Yeah. Once he starts pouring Coke into it, it's gone. It's done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that's why I'm like, this is a, there's, there's nowhere to go with this. Just leave it. Um, I think the, for me, a couple of the, the standout moments were, was watching um, Loki's, Loki's genuine emotional response to reading the, about the destruction of his homeworld in mm. black and white. Like, he wasn't there. He didn't get to see it. He just reads Ragnarok. Everyone died. Asgard was destroyed. No survivors. It's like, wh- what? <laughs> It's like that. It's like I, I haven't yet come to grips with the fact that I die. Are you telling me everybody dies? And I like not. A, there's what a handful of Asgardians left. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely not ten thousand. Um, but no, I think there was like maybe like a thousand. There is a small fishing village worth of Asgardians left on Earth. That's right. Yes. I was trying to remember where they ended up after after the end of Ragnarok. They ended up in the place where Odin had prepared for them. Somewhere in... Yeah, it kept taking me a little bit because the things are a bit disjointed. Um, but yeah, it was where... Thor and Loki found where Strange sent Thor and Loki to Norway. Right, and they were sort of like on a grassy cliff mm-hmm. overlooking the ocean and the sky. Yep. I never realized that that was the same place. I I didn't put it together until like a rewatch of Ragnarok and went, oh, Odin already knew this was coming. And he was there because he went to earth so that he could figure out a way to prepare f- to move everyone from Asgard. We never put that together. Yeah. A- again, it's one of those things you start noticing when you go back to rewatch things. It's like, Oh, that thing they did 10 movies later. Now I see where they set it up in this movie right here. So much Jesus. other stuff happens in between those. You remember I, I rewatched all of the Marvels uh, mm-hmm. last year by the time teen, I am not going to remember like Easter egg tie-ins to movie six. It's, right. it's a lot of info, but that's that's mostly just my brain. It's bad. <laughs> it's bad. But yeah, that that was a that was a hell of a thing. <laughs> just to watch him just start to tear up. I'm like. There's so much that he is not yet prepared for. And yet when he composes himself, he's back to uh, 
He has not let it, any of this stuff slow him down no. yet. And, and he can't, but he knows that he's going to have to address it soon. Yeah, I, I assume at, one, at some point in the series, there's going to be an emotional reckoning. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it's probably going to be episode four or five. Seems about right. I don't know what it's going to look like, but I imagine it's going to be pretty big. And ugly. I'm I, also I, like getting upset just thinking about it. I think there's going to be a lot of ugly crying on Loki's part. Well, it just kind of reminds me about how all of the internet right now is talking about everyone's like trying to like get back out in the world and and start and young people, I guess, especially are like ready to party again because that's what young people do. And we're just going to forget about all the grief and trauma from the past year. And it's it's going to be bad. It's it's not going to go well. No, it's not. Because you are not. You're moving on to the after it's all said and done phase without the processing it all phase. Yeah, there are, there are still those five stages of grief. And if you skip ahead just for acceptance, that's not going to end well. Mm-hmm. No, no. I, I mean, I've, I have felt some of that just myself and it's like when i when i first started reading comments like that i was like oh this makes me feel bad what what is it there's anger it's, uh, well for, no first is denial 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 anger bargaining one other and then acceptance mm-hmm. i should know that because i recently played a video of grief Interesting. Uh, I related to Loki in the Marvel Universe. The uh, in Endgame, the death of Black Widow, when the uh, the remaining five Avengers are sitting on a pier talking about it, they all represent one stage of grief. Mm, depression. The fourth stage is depression. Yep. Also, and, and, and Tony's. The, you know, like, of course, Banner was anger, but um, Tony's response—I um, think it's Tony's response—is it? It's whoever. Someone asks, "Did she have any family?" The the last person who embodies acceptance—it's either Tony or Steve—is the one that answers. It's like we were her family. <laughs> It's like, okay, that hurt. Um, we we'll have a theory so about Black Widow. <laughs> we'll go on. I'm looking at the list, the five stages of grief. Mm-hmm. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. One could argue, and in fact, I bet that there is already a Twitter thread thesis, maybe theses, on how the Marvel TV series that we've been getting recently are in fact the five stages of grief. WandaVision, denial. Mm-hmm. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, anger. Loki, bargaining. Because in effect, he is, I mean, I know that this is technically like a past tense situation, but he is in a situation where he is sort of 
like working with people who are, you know, like they're at odds, but they're working together for, you know, an ultimate goal. It's, it's, it's a little loose. Someone smarter than me has probably put this together much better though. I, I think, uh, I think you're onto something here. I know. Yes, I, find Loki it just, I, <laughs> I think Loki is definitely bargaining. The next um, Marvel TV show down, coming down the pike is what if though? Right, and that's like the multiverse type stuff, right? With like alternate versions of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't cannot... know that that's quite. That might skip Depression. this particular theme, yeah. yeah. Um, but the other shows that are coming up are She-Hulk and Hawkeye. Ooh, and Hawkeye could totally be depression. Hawkeye could also be acceptance because it's. It's not about Clint. Oh, it's it's his daughter, huh? No, it's not no? his daughter. It's Kate Bishop. Oh, I don't really know about a bunch about that. I th- but I was under the impression that they were sort of replacing an unrelated character who becomes the next Hawkeye with his daughter and kind of queuing her up to be the next Hawkeye. She's not the next Hawkeye. It's okay. still they are still playing with the character Kate Bishop. He's she's not related to Clint. Gotcha. And have we been introduced to that character within the MCU? Okay. Cool. Nope. It's very possible that we had and I didn't recognize it or didn't remember. So. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a there's some merit to that theory there. <clears throat> I, I, you know, I kind of blew my own mind. I'm pretty pleased with myself right now. As you should be. Uh, I, before we get to the the big uh, reveal in mm-hmm. Loki, the other thing that I wanted to touch on that was kind of a throwaway background thing, or like it's it's background fodder. It's not meant to be part of the larger discussion. But off screen, I I pointed at it and went, "That is some." Very, very disturbing, poignant commentary that I don't like. Okay, you'll have to definitely refresh me on it. And that was... So Loki comes up with the theory that evil Loki... Evil Loki's unfair. Bad Um, Loki. Yeah, bad Loki is hiding out in Apocalypse. Is that the pluralization of Apocalypse? That's that's my pluralization of (laughs) Apocalypse. Because um, I would have thought it would it would be apocalypses. It probably is. I like apocalypse. <laughs> okay. But I also say octopi, and that's no longer correct for reasons. So. I don't care for that that correction. You know, last time they said something's not what we said it was. They took it back again after. Yeah. Remember, remember the whole Pluto situation. Yep. I, I think it's still in flux. I don't know. It's it's somewhere in between a planet and not a planet. Um, but the, uh, once they've talked about how clearly that this Loki is hiding in, in an apocalypse somewhere, um, they realize, okay, it has to be on earth because of this candy bar and blah, blah, blah. And like that narrows it down to this period, to this period. And I'm like, that is less than 20 years from now. Go on. And then Tom, uh, Mobius comes out with two 
significantly very large stacks of files. And it's like, here you go, take that half, I'll take this half, and we'll race. It's like, you're racing through what looks to be 30 different apocalyptic events that happen inside of a three-year window. Wait, how many in a three-year window? About 30. And, like, they all start in 2049 and end in 2051. I'm like, no. Nope. That's that's uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable because it, like, the first... Because the one, that feels right. Yes. Yes, it does. Loki even comments, it's like, this seems like a lot. It was. It was not a good time. No, but it, it, it makes sense if you think about, like, how many different things are coming to a head and, and how yep. many, like catastrophic predictions scientists again scientists have been warning and especially if like you know the calculations are off or or social and environmental changes happen at such a rate that it throws off those predictions we could like be compacting all of these different apocalypse you know like they might be like apocalypses they they <laughs> um yeah, like let's say like, oh, all of these different bad things are going to happen in this 25-year span if we keep doing what we're doing. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever, dude. We're going to keep doing this and make it and, 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 and more. And then that's going to like truncate the window of time in which all of those bad things happen such that I I would not be surprised if, you know, the years 2049 through 2051 are real, real bad. Well, I think we'll be lucky if it's not 2029 through 2031. Well, I'm going to start drinking more so I don't live to see that. It's... I think, for me, it's every time that we start talking about future events and then I do the math and realize, oh shit, that's, that's actually, that's next week. (laughs) <laughs> it started uh, it started this year when i actually did the math on first contact day and went fuck i'd be 92 and you're, you're i will you're be you're on 90, the downhill side of that yeah right i will be 92 on first contact day that's april 15th uh 2063 or april 5th 2063 63 uh I was born in 71, 1971. That's 42 years from now. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not on the downhill side of that, but it's close. Mm-hmm. It's close. It's a five-year window. So when, you know, these things start making predictions of like, oh, it's going to be like this in, in this far-off year of 2037, that, that's, dude, no, that's a person. That's the passage of a, a person from birth to mid-adulthood, that's not that far. <laughs> it's no wonder that, like, you can forget things that happened 10 years ago because we just keep moving, rushing headlong mm. forward into this. Uh, Sack points out that that's those predictions are about right for the real world or the, you know, like X number. What is it? What was it? 30-something apocalypses? In that Mm -hmm. three-year window, he says that's about right for the real world, but a typical superhero team individually thwarts at least two apocalypses every year. So that's light for them. 
See, and I, I keep saying apocalypses when we say this, and I keep just seeing that in my head is apocalypse dot dot dot, you know, apocalypse ellipses. That's what I enjoy yeah, about yeah. it. <laughs> apocalypses. The gang learns about the crushing weight of time. Very funny, Norm. Also, <laughs> hi, Steve. Uh, Steve Coker is visiting us as well in the, yeah. in the chat. It occurs to me that, like, maybe we should have always been doing this on Facebook. And we, I know we started out earlier in the pandemic and then we moved to YouTube, but more of our friends are already on Facebook. Yeah. I, of course, I it's Facebook. It. <laughs> of course, it is yeah, Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> quite honestly, this is this and Guardian Games are the only things I use Facebook for. Uh, I I wish I were better than that, but I'm not. I don't like also, posting anything on it. Also, it's where my <coughs> buy nothing neighborhood group is, and I I spend a lot of time on that. There are other ways. There are other things that we can do to get away from Facebook, but it takes a concentrated effort, and it takes it like you would have to organize that through a Facebook event in order to get people off of it. So, emails. Let's all go back to emails. Phone trees. Oh man, when was the last time I used a phone tree? I don't know. Damn. Uh, now I feel old. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, Loki. Um, the big reveal that we were uh, we've been hinting at is that we finally meet the villain of the series, which turns out to be a Loki that even Loki wasn't expecting, <laughs> and that yeah. is a woman. Uh, I mean, I'm going to assume that much like Hulk, the you know the woman Hulk is referred to as She Hulk, the female Loki is probably referred to as like Lady Loki or some such. I don't know that that's true because she didn't even want to be called Loki. Oh, what did Re- what did she go by? She didn't. But she Remember, didn't want it to be Loki when they were when they were talking. Um, it, she was talking. To, uh, to Loki through proxies the enchantment when he says Loki I assume she's, uh, the proxy went ah, don't call me that it's like okay there's, a, there's a, more of a story there but we don't actually know her name yet I mean we know it's Loki but we don't know what she's preferring to be called Steve Coker says Loquette. Yes, I like that. I like that a lot. (laughs) Speaking of which, we need to have him back on to talk to us about the project that he's been working on. He showed me uh, some brief stuff that I won't reveal, but uh, he showed me some stuff um, that he's been working on during the pandemic. And it's still right up the alley of all the stuff that he was doing with the, the flash, ah, musical and, and everything. So, Oh, super. Yeah. Yes. So, yes. All right. Call us, Steve. Yeah. You, you, yeah. Steve, we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch when, when Aaron's back from assignment, we'll, we'll get this all back together. Um, but yeah. Uh, I don't know why Norm is asking this, but uh, he says, the real thing is, do you remember your old house phone number? And uh, I I do, even though they finally stopped having a landline. I still know it, and I'm mad that they don't have it anymore. I don't. I I, I don't remember my home phone number when I was a kid. It helps that 
my home didn't wasn't my home until I was in high school. Uh, and then I moved out right after high school. But then it was still the phone number for a long time. I do remember when I didn't have to dial nine numbers in the state of Oregon. Oh, because they... Now I can't remember what, what that was. It was like a, a regional thing that ten, didn't... Ten like numbers. A, like it was long distance, even though it wasn't all long distance. It was like yeah, a, it, it was when uh, the state of Oregon went from a single uh, area code to two area codes. And then that got complicated further in the 90s when we had to have a second area code just for the Portland metro area. So we That's all went so... from 503 to 503 was uh, the Portland metro and this side of the state and 541 for central and eastern Oregon. And then we got 971 for the Portland area. Hi. Come here. That like blows my mind. The idea that like people remember what that was like, the that area code changes or the complications related to that. Because it was within the past fifty years. <laughs> it's not ancient history. Well, I just I grew up in Phoenix, which apparently has just always been like a mega city. Yeah, because no one else wants to live in anywhere else in Arizona. They, they, you just live in one space that you can air condition. The I mean, hell there's out like of. there's like Tucson, but I've been to Tucson. <laughs> My in laws live in Tucson. It's, think... there's nothing happening there, which I think is no. why they like it. Like when yes. you know, when you're a retiree, I can see how Tucson could be appealing, but. Uh, but no, no, thank you. Not even Phoenix. No thanks. My my mom's parents were uh, would winter in Tucson. They, when they were retired, not quite sure how anyone retires from farming. To be honest, <laughs> especially if you still live on the farm, you don't retire. They just don't make was, money at it anymore. No, like it would snow in the winter. You can't really harvest any crops. The fields are full of snow. So you, you go on vacation instead. So they had an RV and spend winters in Tucson. Snowbirds. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, when I was younger anyway, I always wanted my, my family to, to live closer or at least further north than, you know, the southernmost state on the west. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom cannot handle the cold at all. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, but she's been in Phoenix, Arizona for like almost 40 years now. She and she doesn't really travel a lot. Mm. Even when she was like she had a job as like a regional something that had her going like state to state. It was other southwestern states. Okay. Uh, Like I think like one of her big hangouts was. um, What is the capital of New Mexico? Santa Fe. Uh, Santa no. Fe, nothing yeah. with a P. Um, no, not Santa Fe. He's shaking his head, but he's not answering me. Uh, oh, he doesn't know. Okay, other the other kind of shaking your head. Wait, I think it, I it's think it Santa Fe. We have the internet. Why did I say it was something with a P? Anyway, 
Uh, it was wherever they uh, they filmed Breaking Bad because she met it's Paul Weiss's face. It is Santa Fe. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, she hasn't left the desert ever, ever. She had a trip to Hawaii and she didn't go. She sent me and my sister. I see. Uh, so yeah, she she can't handle anything like below fifty degrees. Which, like, for me is for us is nice. That's yes. that's pleasant. Yes, it's like oh, it's sweater weather today. I think I'm going to have some tea. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, fifty's great. It gets above seventy five up here, and we're like I dying. Hate it. Although well, I am turning into my mother, the thermostat is always set around seventy something. Yeah, that's fair. I used no. to think that was like too cold and too warm at the same time. Also, if you're in the Portland metro area on Saturday, for the love of God, stay indoors, drink lots of water, turn off the lights. It's going to be 111 degrees. Find a sprinkler. No, like don't don't be outside. Well, sometimes like, being inside is worse. A lot of people still don't have AC. Basically, get somewhere where you're not going to roast the the highest temperature that the human body is able to withstand for long for any length of time is like 108 degrees. After like, if you spend like more than an hour out in 108 degree heat, your brain is melting. That's so crazy. Like the. 18 years younger version of me that first moved to the Northwest would not believe you if you said, oh, yeah, it's it's June and we're going to have 100 degree days here in the Northwest. It just it, 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 it was unheard of just that short while ago. Getting back to that whole, hey, look, we're in apocalypse season. Apocalypses. Jeez. Uh, okay, well let's let's move on from like the you know like the heat death of our planet. Yep, I I am interested to see where the next episode of Loki takes us. Um, we did see Loki abandon the group um, in the middle of the apocalypse. We know that something that that uh, Lady Loki, uh, Loket, <laughs> um, Little Miss, don't call me Loki, implemented probably part one of her plan, which I'm not on, like, I'm on the fence about, I don't know that she's evil or the bad guy. We just know that she's got it out for the timekeepers, and we aren't sure that they're good guys either. But, like, taking all of those uh, um, time bombs and teleporting them across time so it doesn't cause one branching uh, variants but like 30 40 100 like she's effectively breaking time so i'll be interested to see where that goes as well it also dawned on me after this episode i'm like hang on a second wandavision our major villain our major antagonist is that i'm going to stop using the word villain i'm going to use the word antagonist our antagonist is agatha harkness Falcon and Winter Soldier. Our antagonist is Carly. Mm-hmm. With uh, antagonist support by Sharon Carter 
AKA mm. the power broker uh-huh. and the Contessa, mm-hmm. Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And now mm. our antagonist for Loki is Lady Loki. So that's now three series where the focus has been on the, the bad guy is a woman, but are any of them, except for the Contessa, like Lady Hydra is genuinely a villain. She's a bad guy, period. But everyone else has very different motivations for what they're doing and why they're doing it. Agatha Harkness wanted to diffuse Wanda's power. She, she wanted to take it, it from her. Yes. Because she knew that the Scarlet Witch is a bigger threat the planet and to reality in general than she was. Carly, Carly Morgenthal, is that her, the character's name? That sounds right. She got killed in the pursuit of her, uh, of bringing about a better world. And she was so strong in her conviction and her beliefs that they were then taken up by Captain America the person who had been chasing her. Which leads me to believe, I don't think Lady Loki is the villain in this. She's the antagonist, but I don't think she's going to be the villain. And I think that's great. And I think that says a lot more about when men are bad guys and when women are bad guys. (laughs) Um, I have a little bit of a different take on that just Mm -hmm. because the golden age of television brought us not the villain, but the antagonist, the, mm-hmm. the relatable misunderstood, maybe well, maybe even well-meaning, but you know, objectively the bad guy uh, version of, of the, the, the anti-hero. Sure. Yeah. The, the relatable bad guy. And um, I don't know, like one could argue that, well, it's, it's a concept that has like been rolling out for, I don't know, 15 years now. Uh, but because Disney is working so hard to be progressive, it's we're, we're getting, we're getting it all from, from female anti-heroes. Um, do you think or, it's or, just, do you think it's uh, just for Disney, they're ticking boxes or do you think that they're actually the storytellers for this are making conscious choices? I, I don't think they're just ticking boxes. I, I just think that the the complicated villain, the um, the relatable bad guy, is in some ways a, a sort of new concept mm-hmm. in in writing, in storytelling, in in hero tales. Um, it just so happens that this is the first time we're seeing it be played by or you know written with back to back female. Um, antagonists but the concept of a complicated or relatable or misunderstood antagonist is something that we've we've been pushing towards for a little while now enough so that it's it's more than the standard and the norm than than it used to be the weird unique thing Mm -hmm. I like that yeah cool uh, oh, hold on. There's some stuff in the chat here. 
There's a lot. I, I like <laughs> that this is sparking conversation amongst yeah. the folks um, listening. If you live in 2021 and want to prevent something cataclysmic from happening in 2020, you might be considered heroic again, unless you're being viewed from further in the future. Mm-hmm. Oh, dang it. I scrolled too far. That was preceded by, if you want to prevent the Viking Age to spare the British Isles from violent conflict, that's a heroic aim, provided you don't live in 2021 and don't mm-hmm. want your universe to cease to exist. Uh, that's a huge element that we haven't even touched on is like... Yeah, right now we're looking at Loki as like the reluctant hero and Loquette as what we assume will probably be a relatable bad guy. But that's just the lens that we're gonna that we're expecting we're gonna get it from. What what do her actions mean to the people from the time the point in time that she comes from? That could be totally different. Ugh, that's like that is a lot to process right now because we only have this little this little bit about her so far. Yeah, I, I'm I I truly am engaged with the with this show and I'm looking forward to the the next four episodes and seeing where they go. Um, my personal, if I have had a wish list for this show, I would be it would be wishing for the conclusion of the show to whatever it is to end with the destruction of Tom Hiddleston's Loki in order to create kid Loki. I want to see him get that second chance by turning him into kid Loki, which there's merit to the theory since they're already putting together the rest of the young Avengers. Oh, are they? We've seen it. um... No, go ahead. Yeah, we've we've seen it in the other shows. Like we're getting Kate Bishop, uh, America Chavez is showing up in Doctor Strange. Uh, we've already seen Prodigy, who's the grandson of Isaiah Bradley. We've got Wanda's two kids. Right, and technically Spider Man can fall into that as well because he's younger than than the other Avengers that he is currently or has up to date been paired up with. True. I'm specifically talking about the the young Avengers as they existed in that particular canonically. Comic. Yeah, gotcha. I don't it's, know anything about that. that. Yeah, it's pretty much they've introduced all of these characters. I'm like, ah, the only person they're missing is Kid Loki, and then this has started. And I'm like, mm. hmm. <laughs> and see, meanwhile, uh, Bex uh, is theorizing that maybe. Um, this the Loki series sets off a bunch of timey wimey stuff that will lead to like tie into the what if series mm. that will feature Loquette instead of Loki. There's so the only stories that I know that they're telling in what if are what if uh, Peggy Carter were Captain America, mm-hmm. or not Captain America, but what if Peggy Carter was given the Super Soldier Serum? Right. What if. Uh, a young prince T'Challa was taken to the get to the stars by the Ravagers mm-hmm. instead of Peter Quill. Ooh, yeah. What if Tony Stark was the one who ended up on Sakar and not the Hulk? And what if zombies? Of course. Those are, and I only know the Tony Stark one because there's a Lego set. <laughs> because it comes with Tony Stark, um, a version of 
his Hulkbuster armor that is part built out of Sakaar and junk, uh, the Watcher minifigure, and a Valkyrie minifigure. But I I don't know how many episodes of What If there are, and I don't know what the other storylines are. So mm. who knows? It sounds like it'll be pretty fun, though. Mm-hmm. And it's all animated. Even better. Yep. I just I always feel like you could do so much more with an animated series. Well, we should probably move to the Bad Batch while we have a little bit of time to talk about Speaking it. Speaking of which. But before we do that, I, I do want to throw out something. It dawned on me this week. I was when I saw yet one more ad for Black Widow, which I think comes out in two weeks at this point. Mm-hmm. It didn't dawn on me until like seeing this. I'm like, oh, good God. This is how they're going to continue having a Black Widow in the Marvel Universe because it's not going to be Scarlett Johansson. It's going to be Florence Pugh. Is this a younger actress? It's the it's the blonde woman in the movie with uh, Scarlett Johansson who plays her sister. Mm. I'm like, oh, oh, good God! I don't know why that didn't dawn on me before, but that's likely what they're going to do. Maybe I was I don't curious. Know. That's I was my curious who that character is supposed to be. You know, when this finally occurred to me, it was because someone <laughs> someone did a meme where they it was a picture of Florence Pugh. Standing there with guns. And the caption, the the only two words that were in there were were her last name, spelled P-U-G-H-P-U-G-H. She was standing there with going, pew pew. (laughs) (laughs) Laughed my ass off. (laughs) Like, oh my god, this is yeah. I'm like, oh, this is this is so dumb, it's funny. (laughs) Pew pew. Um but yeah, uh, that's my theory on Black Widow. I think it's how they're getting the Black Widow back into the uh, universe, but without it being Scarlett Johansson. And then she can I, do the same thing that Chris Evans is doing, where he's just producing and directing movies. I had not in previously been interested in... Excuse me, a full of bourbon. Um, I had not previously been interested in the the the, the Black Widow movie because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I already know how her story ends. Like, how much, how how hyped can I get for for that character now? But I think in retrospect, really, it's just that I was annoyed with how her her story ends. Mm-hmm. You know, in in the in the main MCU stuff, and that that big teaser about like the next like 10 years of MCU shit, like they had such a, such a, like, I think almost half of it was black widow footage. And, uh, it, they got me. They jerk. Those jerks have my money every year. I get the theory behind that. And I think I've said the same thing about other pieces of media and have been called, have been called the carpet on it. And it's like, really, you're going to bypass this thing because you know how it ends. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know how this ended, and you know how this ended, and yet you still became engaged with this other thing that's a prequel to it. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. Right. I mean, it's not just that that like I already know that she dies at X point because I mean, yeah, I could argue the same for Loki, but I've always enjoyed Loki as a character. Meanwhile, I've never been given the opportunity to become invested in Black Widow as a character right. via the MCU. That's probably the better 
or bulkier, meatier reason why I'm like, well, whatever. You've never made me care about this character until now. And now she's dead. And now you want me to like watch her movie that you you finally got around to. Yeah. It's, it's like a, it's, it's this, it's, it's it's a whole combination of things. Uh, But regardless, I'm going to see it. Of course. I'm going to see it. Like uh, I'm, I'm interested in watching it. It's certainly of the four, four movies that are coming out this year in the MCU. That's lowest on my list. Definitely the highest is uh, Shang-Chi. Mm. That one definitely looks like that's going to be the most fun. Um, I hope so. But Man, I hope so. the Doctor Strange one, I bet, is going to be really, really good. That's next year. Oh, okay. This year is Black Widow, Shang-Chi, um, The Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Okay, if those are the four that are happening 2021, then Shang-Chi is also the one I'm most excited about. Yeah. Uh, I think Doctor Strange is the first one for next year. Doctor Strange, uh, Love and Thunder. I forget the other two. It's all on the internet. People can look it up. Bad Batch. Yes. All right. For reals now. Bad Batch. Um, Bad Batch recap is simply while our uh, heroes are still on the scrapyard planet, we check back in with Crosshair. Um. And Crosshair and the Imperials get a heads up that there might be maybe some activity on this scrap planet, and they may have found the Bad Batch. So, did I miss an episode? I thought we were on uh, episode 7. Yeah? No, we're on episode 8. Oh my god, I missed an episode. How can be? Well, we might let's let's skip this review then. No, no, it's totally fine. I'll just go watch it right after we're done here. But um, how I, did I? I absolutely cannot go any further without um, no without spoiling I'm, it. It's an episode you've got to watch. Oh, damn it! Oh my god, I feel so dumb, and uh, and like I'm ruining the show right now. Well, then did we talk about episode seven? Yes, we did. Episode okay. seven is where they remove everybody's chips. Hi, my brain is just gone. Apparently, you've had you've you've been you know securing uh, gainful employment. So it was been... a really intense couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Episode seven was the removing of chips. Um, episode eight starts out. They're still on that planet. Okay. Well, I mean, is there anything more that you can tell us, me, without giving anything too much away? Um. Uh, Crosshair and the Imperials show up and shit goes sideways. That's, I mean, that's the episode. This, you, I mean, like that, once you tell someone Crosshair shows up, the the obvious next part of that in that formula is that shit is going to go sideways. So it has to. It is. Yeah. Oh man. And here it, we go. Like you know, third third to last from the end of the series. It's just. You know where the reckoning happens. It's, oh, the, God, it's only no. ten episodes, right? No, it's sixteen. We're only halfway in. Oh, why did I think it was only ten? Okay, well then, even that is like not working correctly in my brain. This Super. is why I am convinced that Omega A survives this series and B is going to be a live action character in the book of Boba Fett because 
um, Book of Boba Fett starts in October. Mm. Bad Batch doesn't end until October. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Oh, but also, like, Omega was obviously always going to be a big deal, and you know that because her name is Omega. Mm-hmm. Because she's the fucking end. And she, yeah, yeah. It's like she's going to like. It's gonna be big. It's gonna be big. I don't know what that's gonna look like yet, but they've been hinting at it from episode one. Bex is correcting me. I'm. I, I believe that she is correct. Uh, it says that it, it ends in August. Well, it, does that mean it's not 16 episodes or what's the math here? No, Eight, it is still 16 10, episodes. 11. But uh, I'm off on my math. If it started in May, April, May, June, July. Yeah, yeah it, that makes sense. Uh, 16 episodes is the end of July. No, early August. August, September. Math, or August, math is hard. I think I was confusing it with the end of the world. It's fine. <laughs> That's, Which I'm I sure is happening about in that October. I, I keep having to forecast again at work, and I'm like, oh, man, every time you make me think about the future, I, I'm not getting past October, and that's not good. <laughs> that is concerning, Cable. Let's, yes. Uh, I mean, I... But, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. We're, we're going to stick on the bad batch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I will say that the bad batch um, did some things that I was not expecting in this episode. And that's like, I'm trying to anticipate a lot in this show. And it's like, Nope, I didn't see that coming. I did not see that coming. Um, and it's, yeah, it just starts to lend credence to theories that we have about the um, <laughs> the book of Boba Fett and season three of Mandalorian and Ahsoka and uh, the Rangers of the New Republic there is so much that's getting set up here it just fascinates me how well Filoni and crew have been just stitching everything together Of the two franchises, Mm. we've got two different franchises that are historically mostly movies, and now they're like really making this push for television. And who do you think is doing a better job of tying things together, like, like? Weaving the loom more cohesively than 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 the other, do you think? Um, the two franchises that you're talking about are the MCU and Star Wars, correct? Mm-hmm. I think that there's a little bit of apples and oranges in comparison this, because if we were just talking about the showrunners of both, if you Talk about Kevin Feige and the MCU. By and large, everything that he's been doing had a grand design. And he has adapted when needing, when he's needed to, to add more to it or to, like... Pivot because of actors. uh, Yep. Um, Like, 
Iron Man was a gamble. But it hit, and that allowed him to do Thor and Captain America and then the Avengers. Once, but he still had to do all that legwork to get there, even though he had things projected um, further on. So I, I think he's done a fantastic job and that he's probably pulled together the people that he needs in order to do that. Um, because that's a lot to be managed by one person. And if you take things into consideration, like Loki is not that interesting of a character. Loki is a trickster God. He's been a um, finger steepling sneering villain in the comics for years. He's just me. I'm Loki. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. When you say Loki is not that interesting, you mean in the comics. I mean, yeah, I mean the character as originally intended. Mm-hmm. And then they hired Tom Hiddleston. And Tom Hiddleston yeah, comes did. on screen and goes... Yeah, he does. And everyone's like, tell us more. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there is zero reason that when Thor introduced, Thor was pitched, that we should have ever thought there was going to be a television show about Loki. But as soon as Tom Hiddleston came on screen, it's like, oh, good God, you have to be in everything now. You're going to be the villain in, in Avengers. You're going to come back in Thor 2 and, and Thor 3. And you know what? We, we're we're going to kill you, but we're not going to kill you. We're going to give you a TV show. It's like, what? Why? Because of Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston changed that character. Like, Tom Hiddleston is the reason that the character of Loki looks like Tom Hiddleston in the comics now. Mm. That's not historically what Loki looked like for 30, 40 years before that. What did he look like before? Like, significantly different? Bigger horns Mm. and a skull cap and all green. and Like, it's the same color scheme. But there was, like, he was just a mustache-twirling villain, except he didn't mm. have a mustache. <laughs> uh, Bex points out that the accent doesn't hurt, because you don't get that in comics. This is also true. Except for Thor. The way that they always did the lettering on Thor, you knew that he spoke like a Shakespearean actor. I don't know why. <laughs> Which I'm, I'm sure, like, is part of why they hired... Um, an Australian? Yes. Chris, what's his face? Chris Hemsworth. Thank you. Um, um, it, it also helped that like they actually wrote Thor speaking with thy, thou, verily, and forsooth. That right. was part of his dialogue in the comics. Calm, calm thine tits. Yes. <laughs> verily. Which I, which I believe it is, it doesn't, like that, that meme is in, in Old English font. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but Tom, Tom's Loki is fantastic. Like he's a character. You, he's an actor that brings something to the character and the character is then something you want to watch more of. Um, uh, as Norm puts it, Tom Hiddleston plays Loki. Like he's an uber rich private school brat who rides everywhere on a on a tsunami of confidence. Perfect. Yeah, I think that 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 sums it up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like that's that's the sort of 
well, I didn't see that coming that Kevin Feige's had to um, contend with in Mm -hmm. managing the Marvel universe to get back to your original question. (laughs) Whereas Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni is working not in, he's not in his own backyard. He's, he's come into someone else's work. And that's why I always refer to what he's been doing to the Star Wars universe is stitching it together because there are things that were left unanswered or this character fell off this it's like, oh, we're going to do this. And then that gets inferred over here. It's like, yeah, but that you didn't, there's no glue. There's no reason why any of those things went together. And Dave has gone and went, I'm going to create this character in this storyline. And then this wraps up with this. And people look at that and go, oh, that makes, that makes perfect sense now. Now I get why that happened. Mm. Why wasn't it written that way? It's like, because George Lucas was making it up as he went along. <laughs> I, I totally agree with both of those explanations of, of what you've said regarding mm-hmm. Feige and Filoni. Um, but those those explanations are why I think that Filoni is the one doing the not better job, but has the tougher job and and pulling it off smoothly. Because it's one thing to be quick on your feet and like be able to pivot your game plan based on environmental changes. Because it's your game plan. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, and it's and it's all yours. Mm-hmm. But it's a whole nother thing another thing to come in to an environment where it is all bits and pieces like in in a lot of ways like the the original star wars content was like essentially guerrilla filmmaking and mm-hmm. things are being randomly thrown in half-assed ideas are being used and and so they don't have context there are there are characters without background like there is a background implied but it doesn't actually exist and And to take all of those bits and pieces and turn it into a cohesive map of the universe is i think significantly more impressive which is 100 percent because of the fan base that exists like the fan base is the most vocal members of the fan base who are obsessed with the minutia of this are the ones that want those explanations. The rest of us don't care. We just <laughs> want to see ships go flying around and, and we want to watch laser swords. And some pew pews. Oh, um, don't forget about all of the um, the EU content. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, I guess I don't necessarily know like how much of that was specifically like, you know, concept by concept and plot point by plot point uh green lit by lucas mm-hmm. uh but i'm gonna bet that chances are good they filled in a bunch of gaps for him and didn't always tie together with all of the other eu content yep and then and that's something that he like i mean i guess technically a gets to cherry pick but it's as much a privilege as it is a chore yeah and and that's Disney knew that going into buying everything. It's like we're gonna we're buying Star Wars and we're going to Schrodinger's cat the EU. It, it's you know it doesn't exist and it exists until we say otherwise. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that's why we got the version of Thrawn that we did. It's like he's too good of a character. And who knows? At this point, we might actually get some version of Heir to the Empire. Like that's entirely possible. What the uh, the end game of uh, the the four TV series that they've got going on is going to be. But yeah, I I do agree that like Filoni isn't just stitching this together, and he's not just trying to unify the the uh, uh, universe in a way that makes sense to the fans and is honors the work. He did that extra step of I'm going to spend time with George, and I'm going to learn from George what makes Star Wars Star Wars. Mm. What is Star Wars to him? And he discovered what that was and keeps those lessons in mind when he's making anything that has to do with star Wars. Like he, he said it himself. It's like the number one lesson I got from George was star Wars is for children. It's for kids. If you're, if whatever you're making cannot play to an audience of children, you've done it wrong. Mm. And do you think that he has, held up that edict? Oh, yeah. I, he started with the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars were for children. It starts out very obviously for children, but it, it definitely gets more mature as, as the seasons progress. Does it get more mature, or does it not talk down to children the way adults do? It presents yes. exactly what happened but it at no point assumes that the children will not understand it. Okay, no, that's fair. I'm, I definitely, I, I, as you start, as, as you get into like season four and beyond, like there's a lot more of like the, like the Civil War conversations, like the stuff on Mandalore, um, which I think objectively can be can get a little boring, mm-hmm. but not hard to understand and not. Oh not whittled down, you know, to like, to be understandable at the lowest common denominator. You're right. Yep. You're right. I, I, for me, it was the realization. There was a two part episode that explained what war profiteering was Mm. in, in no uncertain terms Mm -hmm. that a six year old watching star Wars would have went, wait, those are the bad guys. And they pointed right to the cloniers, the, the robot makers, and the banks. <laughs> and you look at them, it's like, oh, yeah, of course there's the villains. They look like stereotypical villains. And you've called them out as they're the only people that's making money. And you've pointed out that they're taking money that's paying for the war is being taken away from families and children and schools and hospitals. How is how is any child not supposed to interpret that as, oh, yeah, no, those are the bad guys? <laughs> it's, but, it's, it's not the droids. It's not the separatists. They're not the bad guys. You've now shown us that they're trying to fix the same things on their side. It's like, we're out of money. And the bank said, we'll just loan you more. You can pay us back later. <laughs> but there are episodes where it's Mandalore's own soldiers who are essentially profiting off of um like the black market and stuff that's Mm -hmm. it and that's 
less obvious. Um, but again, like to, to defend your, your thesis on the matter, um, they do in fact, like have like a very clear cut and dry because it's Ahsoka who is still sort of only now beginning to see the different nuances of, mm-hmm. of the good guys versus the bad guys. And she's being very cut and dry about like, well, no, that's bad. And if you, if you think that something bad like that is happening, then it needs to be investigated and reported. Uh, and then kids get caught by bad guys. Yep. And that's, that's why, um, I, that's why Ahsoka as a character is so important. Like she is a child when we are introduced to her and we watch her grow up and we watch her learn things. And and, under, means... and, and go from seeing the world in black and white to anything but. Mm-hmm. And that means the the kids that are watching that are right along with her are going, oh, okay. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's the idealized version. There are a lot of kids that are just like, yeah, I love it. It's pew pew and laser swords. Pew pew I mean, laser sword. You can lead a horse to water. Mm-hmm. Bex, who is a parent, unlike either of us, uh, points out that this is what she was going to comment. Is like, if, if anything, uh, the Clone Wars gives the groundwork and examples to talk to kids about the things that are actually happening. Exactly. I think I think that you tend to have a better eye for that than I do. I I think it's uh, I'm always looking for patterns, so that there is some bias in my theories, as <laughs> I am like I will sometimes to fit patterns I will skew data. <laughs> I, I'm aware of my own. I, I, it's a spe- uh, specific type of bias. The word is escaping me. It's um, thinking. It's a C word. Someone in the chat will. Yeah, it's something bias. All right, I'm not going to be able to. Someone will remember. Someone will remind me later. (laughs) It'll be great. I think that's all I got. Confirmation bias. Thank you. That's it. Confirmation. C C word. (laughs) Uh, So I'm aware of my own confirmation bias and I try to manage it. Uh, when I'm spewing forth my views of the world. I don't know why I'm making so many stupid faces today, too. I can't stop yawning, apparently. I think that means it's time for the show to be done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I think we've done a decent job of replacing the Bad Batch segment with related content, so... Indeed. Oh, there we go. And here comes all here come all of the comments in the in the feed. Yep, Hisham. Yes. Hisham had had my back. Thanks, friends. Um this has also been lovely to have everyone in the chat tonight. Um it's been very lively chat. That's always fantastic. I I yeah. like it when whatever we're talking about sparks off conversations that everyone else can have while they're listening in the chat. That's that's some of my favorite chat. So um we miss Aaron. He'll be back. He won't be back next week though. It's just gonna yeah. be these two idiots again. Yeah, be prepared <laughs> for more of this, guys. <laughs> um so next week we should talk about both episodes eight and nine 
yes, Bad Batch. I, I absolutely promise to be caught up by then. I, I don't know He's, how I missed an entire episode because I just watched episodes like. It's been a busy week. I could have sworn it was last night. I was watching episodes of The Bad Batch, so I don't know how I missed one. Feel free to text me immediately upon watching said episode and going and spewing oh. all of your oh my gods at me. Um, I probably will. It would be great. And then Loki is the next episode of Loki is tomorrow. Perfect. Perfect. Um, maybe we'll have a guest. Maybe we won't. Maybe something else will happen in the world that we'll have to talk about. We'll see. God, I hope not. Ugh, please, God, to know. <laughs> uh, I think that's it. I think we can wrap up. I think so. So uh, with that, I have been Beanarita. I have been Gable Hashitani. And we will talk to everybody next week. Pew, pew. Watch out for phasers. Bye, friends.